y'all. Welcome back to the Sing Anyway podcast. This is episode two. My name is Anna. I am a voice teacher and recovering burnt out artist. These first couple episodes of this podcast um, are going to be me kind of chronicling my lead up to burnout. So thank you for listening. We ended last episode around when COVID um, basically shut the world down. So that happened in, you know, March 2020, as we all know. I finished up my school year and then summer came. And that summer in May of 2020, that is when I taught my first student. So it was a really big summer for me. Um, I had always wanted to try out teaching, but I was never really sure if I was going to be good at it, if I was going to like it. And I ended up loving it, loving it, which is why that's what I'm doing full time now. And it's amazing. It's the best job in the world. So we go through that summer, start up school, uh, my second year of my master's in August of 2020. And I'm going to preface this story by kind of giving us a little bit of a flashback. So during welcome week of my first year of grad school, the school I went to generously provides free scopes for all of the singers. So that's for the opera singers, the musical theater singers, anybody that is in a singing program gets to go to an SLP, a doctor, and get a vocal scope. And for those of you who don't know what that is, they basically (laughs) shove a camera down your throat and make you do a couple of slides, sing a couple of things, and it's to basically get a video of what your vocal cords look like. This can be helpful and beneficial for many ways. Most people end up going to get these when there's usually a problem with their voice or with their singing. So for us, it was basically for us to have like a base view of what our chords looked like before going into the school. So I definitely recommend if you have the means to, go get your chord scoped. It's really cool to see what they look like. It's always good to just have like a base version of, of what healthy chords look like. So that's the that's my flashback. Now I'm back to November of 2020. So this is first semester of my second year of grad school. So my friend and I were going to make a couple of videos of Christmas songs. We were going to apply for a gig. I think it was to to perform at some I don't know, convention or something something silly like that. And we were like, "Oh, this will be easy. We'll just record a couple of Christmas songs, send them in, be on our way." So it was kind of a mix of classic Christmas songs, Christmas songs from really well-known animated movies. We had Mariah Carey in there. So I did not really practice, and that was my first mistake. (laughs) But I didn't really practice the music super well, didn't really practice it at all. Kind of just went in to the recording session being like, eh, I know how these go, whatever. And the story is is very, it's funny, it's sad, it's complicated, there's a lot of emotions. But basically what happened was, I am singing the song Believe from the Polar Express <laughs> by Josh Groban. And I'm doing it in the original key, which means I'm singing what Josh sings, but an octave higher. And so that sort of lands you around like an F and a G at the top of the staff. And I'm pretty much like mix belting those notes. And it's going well. I'm like, dang, I sound I sound good. And for those of you who don't know me, in addition to singing opera, my first love was like CCM singing, so commercial contemporary singing. 
and musical theater. So I'm, I'm no stranger to like belting, mixing, all of that stuff. That's really where my heart center is. And we can talk more about that later. But I'm feeling good. And then all of a sudden I get up to like one of the Fs or Gs and I feel something pop in my throat. And I'm like, hmm, that felt bad. Um, but I just sort of, you know, was like, ah, well, I'm kind of kind of yelling up here. Maybe it's just, I don't know. So that happened. We finished our recording session. I felt a pop in my throat and I'm like, hmm, my throat feels a little weird. So for the next little while, as I'm, you know, trying to sing different things, I'm preparing for a recital at my church job. And I'm like, God, this feels different. Doesn't feel good. Um... And I sort of just kept ignoring it. I was like, ah, maybe I'm just vocally fatigued. Maybe I did injure myself. I don't know. So at some point, I just decided to keep on singing. I did my recital. And I was like, this just, it. this feels so difficult. It was kind of the, the sense of the vibrato was really hard. It felt really forced. My high notes, like we'll say like an A or a B above the staff, were feeling really tight. And for me, those are very easy notes historically. So I was like, something is not, something's not right. So I called my teacher at Clown College of Music and she right away pretty much knows what it is. She's like, it sounds like you have a vocal hemorrhage. I would just go get scoped and see what's going on. Could be nothing, but that's what it sounds like. And I was so grateful in that moment because I've, I felt really heard and I felt really seen. I felt taken care of. I was like, thank goodness I have a teacher that just right away knew what was wrong. So I went to go see the same doctors that I saw when I got the scope when I first started school. So I'm getting scoped. I'm kind of talking to her about what's going on and the symptoms I'm having. And she finishes the scope and looks at it and she's like, I really don't see anything. And then she was like, but do you did you come to get a scope here when you first started school? And I said, yeah. And she said, okay, I'm going to compare what these two things look like and maybe we'll see something. And that is why I preface the story with that because the only way she thought she found out that I had an injury was by comparing the current scope from 2020 to the one in 2019. It was a really, really, really tiny injury. It was a blood vessel that popped on one of my cords. So it was really hard to see on camera. So having those, those comparisons basically was how she decided that, oh, yep, I see it. It's right there. So... That's kind of why I'm saying like, it's good to get scoped in case you have a really tiny injury and they can't see it on camera. They have something to compare it to, right? So that was awesome. And I, I had always, I hadn't really thought much about vocal injuries up until this point other than they're super stigmatized and we're all terrified to get them. And there's a, a sense of, oh, well, you obviously don't know how to sing if you have a vocal injury, right? And so we just don't really talk about them. But when she told me I had that the hemorrhage, she basically said, it's really a small injury. I'm just gonna put you on vocal rest for a little while. And then she gave me some exercises, some vocal function exercises, basically for me to do for the next couple months because I had a recital coming up in March, my master's recital. So we wanted to make sure I was up and ready to go by then. And the vocal function exercises are really awesome. If anybody wants to hear more about them, I can chat about them, but it's a lot of straw work, a lot of buzzing, um, and I'll get more on that later. But it was this sense of, I had always thought like if I had a vocal injury, I was gonna like lose my mind. Like, 
oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to sing again. Like it, it was just this big production in my mind that it was, it was just gonna be this dramatic, horrific thing that I would never come back from, which in some cases it is, but in most cases it's not. But I actually felt this big sense of relief. And that was strange to me. I wasn't scared. I was a little bit nervous, but I was like, okay, good. I can take a break. And even though it was only a, a week, a week break of a vocal rest, that was the thing that sort of gave me permission to take a fucking break. So I called my teacher back and I said, it's exactly what you said it was. And then she asked me, do you think this injury happened because you were singing like more of an abelti style? And I can't even express to you right now as I'm working through this, how that made me feel. But throughout my classical study, so many people have demonized belting and um, commercial contemporary singing styles. And the answer is no. The, the injury wasn't because I was belting. It was because... I didn't warm up. I was under extreme amounts of stress. I didn't move something into a lower key when I should have. I didn't practice it. I mean, there were, there were tons of factors that contributed to that happening. And also the doctor that diagnosed me with this injury was like, getting popping a blood vessel on your vocal cord is so easy to do. You can literally do it by sneezing too hard. So it's it's a really, really, really common injury. And one that is not... Not a huge deal, it's, it's easy to come back from, at least in my case it was. So I, I was just upset that it was sort of blamed yet again on me sort of diverging from my classical studies. It's just a crock of shit, honestly. So that's my vocal injury story. And I'm sure that many of you have similar stories that maybe you're not, not um, comfortable sharing publicly yet, but I just wanna let you know, like, just because you had an injury does not mean you're a bad singer. Our, our vocal cords are extremely fragile. They're also extremely resilient, but they're really fragile. So the fact that you can get an injury from sneezing should tell you something. <laughs> anyway, I hear you and I see you, and this was a huge learning experience for me, and I'm really lucky that I had a doctor, basically, and that I had the means to go get scoped. So that was basically December 2020 when I got that diagnosis. I was on vocal rest for a little bit. And then as I'm recuperating, I'm doing these vocal function exercises every day. I'm doing them in the morning and at night. And it really actually changed the way that I practice my classical singing. And so from then on, I, I practiced and look in the beginning stages of learning my music, I would like blow into a straw into water or I would buzz through it on like a tongue trill or a lip trill. And that really helped me connect more to my breath it helped take all of the weight off of my vocal cords. So it's something that I still do, do to this day. So I'm like, I, I think there's always something to be learned from an injury. And that was kind of the thing that I took away. It was kind of awesome. I was like, hell yeah, I like made it through this injury. This is awesome. And then this is about January, February. I'm prepping for my recital. And I'm going to share some of these stories with you. This is just a caveat. I'm going to share some of these stories with you, not as a way to trash talk anyone, Every story that I'm including in this podcast is to give you a larger picture of all of the things that led up to me not wanting to sing anymore. And the way that I kind of think about it now is like, you know when you fill a water like to the very brim 
And it like, it looks like it's going to spill over, but it's, you can still somehow add a couple more drops of water to it. All of these little things that kept happening to me that people would say that, you know, just all of these stories felt like, okay, I'm going to add one more drop to the almost spilling cup of water. So this is one of those drops. My teacher and I, I guess, never really saw eye to eye. And part of that being, opera needs to sound a certain way. Do I necessarily believe that? No. But operatic and classical singing is not a natural thing for your voice. It is a very curated sound. I think we can all agree on that. And there's nothing wrong with that, particularly. But I'm going to tell kind of my version of this story. So I, as you can hear by me speaking, I have a pretty bright voice. I started out in musical theater, like I said earlier. So my voice sort of defaults to that brighter, clearer, more youthful sound. And that's, I like that about my voice. I'm going to say that. I like that about my voice. So it didn't come naturally to me to over darken my vowels, to add weight onto my voice, to sound like I had a heavier voice than I actually had. But it seemed like the goal at Clown College of Music was for everybody to sort of have this kind of sound. And to be fair, it has worked. There are tons of people at this school that are actively working in really successful opera houses and companies. And honestly, like, I am happy for them. This is just my experience. My teacher sort of always accused me of being kind of resistant to her teaching because I would always default back to this sort of brighter sound. Basically, the sound that sounded like myself. I would always default back to that. So it almost felt like my voice was a little bit in, like, protest. It was like, nah, fuck you. I'm not going to sing the way you want me to. But I wasn't in my heart of hearts. I don't think that I was doing that on purpose. Like, my voice just wanted to sing the way that it wanted to sing. And so we had a discussion about this and her feeling like I was being resistant. And I said to her, like, honestly, what I'm working through is that I feel like classical and opera feels really inauthentic because it's this curated sound. You sort of have to put this on and it's just not natural to me. And it feels fake and false. And I'm a person, I hope that this comes across, but I'm a person that really like, I'm not interested in being fake or false. I want, it, it's my life's goal to be as authentic to myself as possible. It's a journey I think many of us are going through. I'm not perfect at it, but that's my value. I like being authentic. So the opera stuff that she was asking me to do, the darkening of the vowels, the, the heaviness of the singing, it just felt really false. And so I think my voice was just kind of protesting. And she acknowledged that and said, you know, it's, it's going to feel fake and inauthentic. And I'm like, great, that's not good enough for me. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make a sound that feels fake and inauthentic. So I, I think that's where really that relationship just... We were never going to, to see eye to eye on how opera, for me, should be done. I think the issue with all of this is that it's one thing to say to a student, try darkening your vowel here. Try singing that a little bit louder. Instead, 
my voice was mimicked to me to sound like a little girl. And instead of telling me to sing louder or whatever, however else you want to, however else you would give that instruction, she would tell me to sing like X, Y, and Z person in our studio. Sound more like this person. Sound more like this person. Sound more like me. And what that does to a person is a couple things. And we can sit here and talk about intention all day. Most people don't intend to do harm, but they do. The impact was that it did harm to me. So what, what that messaging tells me is, your voice is not good enough, and you need to conform and sound like everybody else in order to succeed. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know that I would have succeeded in opera if I conformed to sound like everybody else. I'm not sure. There's no way for me to know because I've, I've moved on from, from the opera and classical life. That's just what felt right for me. And being told you sound like a little girl and to sing more like a woman, standing there as a 20, 23, 24-year-old person, it's just, it feels horrible. And having your voice mimicked back to you, like this, sounds horrible. So, yeah. So that was a couple more drops in my glass, and those comments basically went on for the two years that I was there. And now we're gonna get into some things about bodies. So I'm just gonna issue a trigger warning about physical appearance, fat phobia. If that is not a good topic for you to listen to right now, I definitely recommend you skip through this or come back to it at a different time. So there was a discussion in our studio, led by our teacher, about appropriate audition wear. And basically the conversation was what's appropriate for fat people to wear. And that, it turned into that conversation about four seconds after it started. So our teacher said that if you don't have, I'll put air quotes here, Michelle Obama arms, then you should not be wearing a sleeveless gown. I don't really think I have to say why that's problematic. And then she, you know, said, you know, generally, if you have a bigger stomach, you know, don't wear something tight. If you have larger thighs, make sure your dress is, is long enough. All of these things. And then she decided to tell a story about an old student that she had that was fat. She didn't say that word, but... It was obvious that that was the case. And the story was, I once had a student that was, was a, I think she said bigger girl, or was a very large girl, very large girl. And she came and as she walked across the stage, she stomped across the stage in her heels. And when she turned around after she was done performing, you could see the fat on her back shake. 
something you should know about me. I consider myself fat. I have been larger than my peers my whole life, but I'm now at the largest size I've been. I hadn't really thought much about my body while being on stage. I'd never really felt insecure about the way that I looked while I I was on stage until this conversation. So now I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm fat. My back has fat on it. She's criticized me before for stomping on stage in my heels. So it did feel, to some extent, like (laughs) that conversation was being directed toward me and other members in the studio that were plus-sized. And let me tell you, this conversation didn't just trigger me. It triggered... I, w- I would I would guess almost everybody in the room. People, there were certain people that started crying, people sharing experiences of being body shamed. There was no fucking reason that that conversation needed to be had. There's a way to talk about attire and dress in a way that doesn't talk about what fat people should or shouldn't be wearing. It was the most abhorrent fucking discussion I've ever been witness to. And since then, I have not been able to perform without thinking about if people think that my fucking back is shaking. So after this conversation, it was then announced that next week in studio, we would all anonymously give each other comments about our our audition wear that we were wearing in studio that day. Let me tell you, anonymous comments are not the way to go. Really ever. So, I'm really proud of myself. I elected for people to not comment on my audition wear. And I, I advocated for myself to my teacher and I said, this is going to be triggering for me. I struggle with eating stuff. I struggle with body image. I don't want to hear people's opinions on my, what I'm wearing. She was really conf- confused. Didn't really understand why. And seemed like she was mildly offended, but agreed. She was like, okay, that's fine. So we went through that studio. I didn't get comments on my dress, but other friends did. And guess what? It hurt their feelings. Shocker. Because people said rude things anonymously to them about their dress and about their tights. I, like, you can hear the anger in my voice. The shit pisses me off so much. As teachers, we have a responsibility to care for our students. We have a responsibility to to nurture them and to encourage them and to help them and to guide them. And this conversation, while maybe that was the intention of it, that's not what happened. So I'm titling this episode Injuries because we started with an injury to my physical voice and then we ended with an injury to the mind. I'll never, ever, ever forget that conversation in studio and I I don't really know how I'm going to come back from that when thinking about my own body and standing up in front of people and singing. I'm not sure how I'm going to get through that. 
I, I, I am in therapy, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk to my therapist about that a little bit more. But I just want to sort of put a PSA out there for everybody. Do not comment on your student's body. There is never, ever a reason to do that unless you're talking about posture or breathing. Encourage people to wear what feels good, what their body feels safe and good in, what presents their personality the best. I'm gonna wear a sleeveless dress. I'm gonna let people see my belly. I'm going to let people see my back shake. We as singers are not here to look pleasing to whatever fucking beauty standard has been set for this world. We all suffer from this. It's not just fat people, it's everybody. We all suffer from these beauty standards. Even the most traditional beauty of us all feels like they cannot reach this ideal. So let's be done with that. Let's let people look like what they look like and let's encourage them to love that body. Because out of everything that body is giving you life, it houses your voice. (sighs) Guys, this is a heavy one. Thanks for hanging in. And... I'll see you next episode. We'll chat a little bit about my decision to apply for another degree at this godforsaking institution. I love you all. Please take care of yourselves.